Seeking for the help of the Lord, I direct your prayerful attention to the first epistle of Paul to the Thessalonians, chapter 2 and verse 13. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse 13. For this cause also thank we God without ceasing, because when ye received the word of God which ye heard of us, ye received it not as the word of men, but as it is in truth the word of God, which effectually worketh also in you that believe. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2 verse 13. The Thessalonians were very dear to the Apostle. We read in verse 8, the end of verse 8, because ye were dear unto us. And it's not just Paul. We have in the first chapter, verse 1, Paul and Silvanus and Timotheus unto the church of the Thessalonians. It's a lovely thing where you see three of the Lord's servants walking eye to eye, preaching the same thing, speaking the same thing, walking in the same way and loving the same brethren. And they are one here and they're writing here. So we have that love that they have to the Thessalonian believers. They had already given thanks in the first chapter and it was specifically for them. In verse 2, we give thanks to God always for you all, making mention of you in our prayers. In the further chapter, in chapter 3, as well in verse 9, we have thanks again being made. For what thanks can we render to God again for you? For the joy wherewith we joy for your sakes before God. And in our text as well, he is giving thanks to God and without ceasing. And he gives the reason for it. Because when ye received the word of God which ye heard of us, ye received it not as the word of men, but as it is in truth the word of God, which effectually worketh also in you that believe. And the subject this morning upon my spirit is the receiving the word of God. Before we come to the main points here, I just want to think back to what we've just spoken of giving thanks. How many times do we give thanks for the brethren? When we know the brethren, we see those that believe. How many times have we given thanks to God for them? This comes many times in the epistles. But I'd add one other thing to this. This epistle is written to the Thessalonians. They are reading this. They are hearing from Paul and from Silvanus and Timotheus that they are giving thanks for them. When was the last time? We wrote or said on the phone or some other communication to brethren 
we give thanks for you. And this is the reason we give thanks for you. And able to give a reason. This must have been very encouraging to them. And not just to them. He uses this method through many of his letters. And especially we think of it with the Corinthian church. Because after giving thanks to them and giving thanks to God for them that he believed that they were called and that they were elect, then he goes on to chasten them, to correct them, to warn them, to admonish them. It's not just a letter that comes straight with admonishing, straight with warning. It comes with love, it comes with encouragement, it comes with actually conveying to them how much they mean to him. And what a good way really of starting with the people of God or continuing with the people of God. How conducive to the encouragement of that brotherly love and care one for another. Perhaps it is something that we often miss and lay aside today to do good and communicate, forget not. And you might say, well, that is just with temporal things, with food and water and necessities. There's also to communicate such things as we have here. Well, let us consider three main points this morning with the Lord's help. Firstly, the word of God, which he heard of us. Secondly, it's reception. We read, ye received it, not as the word of men, but as it is in truth the word of God. And thirdly, it's effect, which effectually worketh also in you that believe. But firstly, the word of God which he heard of us. Now there's three things that I want to consider under this head. First it is the word, the gospel. And then it is how that they spake that word. And then what was their behaviour. Because the word that is here is not just receiving the word but it is that word that was spoken of them when you received the word of God which you heard of us so the attention is the hearing it of them and of themselves as well who it is that they are listening to but firstly there is the word now in verse 2, we read that we were bold in our God to speak unto you the gospel of God. In verse 4 as well. But as we were allowed of God to be put in trust with the gospel, the good news of salvation, the good news of the gospel. We have also in uh, the verse 8, so being effectually desirous of you, we were willing to have imparted unto you not the gospel of God only, but also our own souls, because you were dear unto us. 
They're bringing the gospel. He is fulfilling the commission of our Lord to go into all the world and to preach the gospel to every creature. The good news of salvation. And in preaching the gospel, it is vital that the two sides of it actually be preached. Sin and salvation. If we go back to the Old Testament, especially in the days of Jeremiah, Jeremiah was bringing before the people of God constantly their sin, their waywardness, their departures from God, their need of repentance, their need of turning, their need of salvation. They rejected that word. They would not receive that word. They even spake of slaying and killing him. If there is to be a saviour, there must be sinners to save. There must be sin to be saved from. There is the malady and there is the remedy and both vital to be known. Remember listening to missionaries recently from working in London and they say how different today is than in former days. In former days you could give a leaflet out that showed on one side man and then a gulf in between and the other side God and the gulf that is bridged by the cross. But they said today men do not know God. They do not know sin. They do not know anything even to get a hint at the salvation of what the cross is for. And what is needed more is to preach the judgment to come and the wrath to come and the sentence of death that we are all under. Really, we think of any that would seek treatment in a hospital for whatever cause. Why do they seek it? It is because first they know that they have symptoms, they are ill, they are not well. Our Lord so clearly said, they that are whole have no need of the physician, but they that are sick. The men, by nature, they do not know, they do not realise their need, they do not realise that they are lost, that they are sinners. They are like those at Athens that were worshipping all manner of gods and even the unknown God. And Paul declared unto them that, that God of whom they ignorantly worshipped he sets before them the vital need and commandment of God to repent, turning from those idols, those things that were not God's, from all that is against God and turning unto the true and living God. The message is first the state and condition that we are in by the Law, no man can be justified. By the law is the knowledge of sin. And there's a curse upon everyone that turns away from hearing his ear, uh, from hearing the law of God. The law was given that sin might abound, that all the world might be brought in guilty before God. Or Paul says the law is a schoolmaster under Christ. He says, I was alive without the law once, but when the commandment came, sin revived and I died. And that which was ordained unto life, I found to be unto death. 
And the commandment that he fell under was, Thou shalt not covet. And he says, When that commandment entered in with power, then it slew him. It wrought in him all manner of evil concupiscence. It stirred up the sin within. O wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from this body of death? The gospel that Paul preached and the gospel that we must preach is a gospel that is good news to sinners, not a good news to men that want to have pillows under their armholes, that want to be told that their charitable works will earn them heaven and that they are really on the right road, though according to the scriptures they are not. It is vital that that gospel be a true gospel to sinners that will save from hell and deliver in this present life from living a godless life to living exactly what the apostle said was the life that he was now walking in, walking in a holy way, a upright way. He says in verse 10, Ye are witnesses, and God also, how holily and justly and unblameably we behaved ourselves among you that believe. He wasn't looking to his works for salvation, but he was testifying of this, the reception of the gospel will lead to godly and upright lives. The good news of salvation points men from Sinai to Calvary. It points men from themselves unto Christ. It points men from this world to the world to come. It sets before them the man Christ Jesus. His name shall be called Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. He has a people, they are sinners, and the Lord shall save them from their sins. And this is his work and his crown upon his head. We bless the Lord for that gospel centred in our Lord Jesus Christ. When the angels heralded the birth of our Lord, they testified that there was goodwill toward men. On earth peace, goodwill toward men. Not peace on earth, there will not be that. But on earth peace, the Lord's dear people know what the Lord promised. In me ye shall have peace. In the world you shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. The message of good news of the gospel to those shepherds, and really right through our Lord's ministry, before he suffered, before the Holy Spirit was given at Pentecost, was that God has appeared. The promised seed has come. He has in hand that which was promised and looked for through all the ages. That was the message. The message that Paul now brings and that we bring, as Paul said to the Corinthians, I determine not to know anything among you save Jesus Christ and him crucified could not clearly have been set forth during Christ's time on earth. 
They could not understand what was before him. He told them plainly. He tried to warn them. He set before them what would happen at Calvary. And even when he was taken up into heaven, they were still asking whether he would at that time restore the kingdom to Israel. But when the Holy Spirit was given, they knew so clearly then the power of God and they knew the plan of salvation. They could then understand the scriptures as the Lord had opened up to them in the upper room. And so that word of the gospel is to pointing to the remedy of God's providing a substitute for sinful men, that he should bear the sin of many, and that he should suffer in their place, that he should rise again from the dead, and that he should appear in the presence of God for them. He is the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world, and from Abel's day, right through to Christ's day, to the end of the world, sinners that are saved are looked to that dear Lamb of God. Abraham, said Christ, saw my day and rejoiced at it. We have in the preaching of the gospel, remember when the Apostle Paul preached the gospel, he like Philip to the eunuch, our Lord to the two on the way to Emmaus, was preaching it from the Old Testament. And they are setting forth that which was laid up in store, that which was preached and set forth right through the word of God is a rich treasure for the New Testament church to preach Christ in all the scriptures. And so that word of the gospel is preached to us as the only name given among men whereby we must be saved. It sets man low, humbled in the dust, and it exalts the Lord Jesus Christ. It testifies that the only payment accepted by God is the precious blood of Christ. The only righteousness accepted by God is that imputed to a believer, Christ's righteousness. It is not by good works that we have done, but what the Lord Jesus Christ has done. There is hope for sinners, for those that come like the publican, God be merciful to me, a sinner, but there is hope for such sinners in the gospel. It is the good news of salvation to those that are under the sentence of death as all of Adam's race are. It was not only the gospel that was set forth, but it was the preacher that was important. We might say, well, what we need for the gospel to be effectual is to be a very eloquent preacher and one that could be really in had in admiration and men follow after him. And that's what we need. But no, that's not what's set forth here at all. How did the Apostle speak? Well, when he wrote to the Corinthians, he said that they thought his speech was contemptible. It wasn't uh, with uh, great enticing words of man's wisdom, lest the gospel should be made of none effect but it was in demonstration of the Spirit and of power. But how is he speaking here? And he makes a real 
point of this, to emphasize to them how he was actually coming to them and speaking to them, he says that it was of exhortation. The gospel is designed in this to move sinners, move men, not leave them unmoved, not leave them just to hear and say, that's a good word, and to go away and it not affect their lives. But then he says in verse 3, it was not of deceit, nor of uncleanness, nor in guile. He wasn't trying to uh, be uh, deceitful or uh, using dishonest methods to, to bring them to the truth. No, he had been put in trust with the gospel and that is how that he was actually speaking. He says in verse 5, not with flattering words, as ye know, nor a cloak of covetousness, God is witness, nor of men sought we glory, neither of you, nor yet of others. He is setting how he spoke to them, and he uh, spoke to them in this way. Those that hear the gospel should think, how are those speaking to us? Are they speaking the word faithfully and truthfully? Are they speaking it in the clear way, simple way of the gospel? Or is there some twisting of it, turning of it, deceit, or even uncleanness, or another motive in it? How, how they spoke was very important. But then thirdly, there was how they behaved was also important. They were not seeking that glory of them or others. They were being gentle in verse 7. Among you even as a nurse cherisheth her children. And in verse 9, labouring night and day, believing as a, as a tent maker, he wouldn't take anything of them. He teaches in other places the labourer is worthy of his hire, but he would not be accused and it could not be said, here is the word of God and uh, th 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 this word is being brought to us by a man who, who, who just wants a, a nice income and he just wants from us. No, he was able to say to the Corinthians and to them here, this was not. His motive is to bring the word of God at all. And we've already mentioned how that he behaved himself before them and before God, holily, justly and unblameably. They were walking in a way that was able to be imitated and followed. And the way that they set forth the gospel it gave the full message that they believed in, had received it themselves and were persuaded of it. And I often feel to, to, to fail in this, but I think it was Erasius Bonner, he, he said some of the greatest damage in the church of God 
is when a preacher preaches the truth, but he preaches it in such an insipid way as if to say, I don't really believe it, is like saying that if there was a fire in the building, just to mildly say, look, friends, there's a fire, we better get up and get out, is very different than saying, fire, fire, get out. It conveys a very different message. And oh, that we may be more and more stirred up, especially in the ministry, so that it is conveyed that we really do believe and feel the word and really desire the people of God that they be blessed of that word and that they be like us. When Paul was talking to those uh, Felix and that and when the king had said that uh, almost thou persuadest me to be a Christian and Paul, he just burst out. He said, I would that thou was not almost but altogether a Christian except this, like unto me, except this chain. There's that which the Lord's people wouldn't wish on anyone else. But we should be able to say, I would that all of you knew my blessings and knew my hope beyond the grave and knew, that, knew what I had. I desire to convey that and that you then follow me. So it's very important with the Apostle as to how he was speaking and also how he was behaving and I believe this is how it is put here where he gives thanks because when ye received the word of God which ye heard of us of us so let us think secondly of its reception the word's reception ye received it not as the word of men, but as it is in truth the word of God. What a reminder to us. The word of men is worthless, isn't it? The apostle, in effect, was saying this. If they were just receiving what he was testifying to them as the word of men, it, it, it was no authority, it was worthless. But they received it as the word of God. There's one thing we need to reinforce again and again in our day. That all scripture is given by inspiration of God. Now I want to make it very clear here. All ministers that preach, and I've heard this said to some, well you are inspired aren't you? And I said no I'm not. No minister is inspired. But we preach the inspired word. Our commission is preach the word. And as far as we preach the word, we are preaching the inspired word of God. But a minister himself is not inspired. Held by the Holy Spirit, without the Holy Spirit, the word would not be effectual. The disciples had to tarry at Jerusalem until they were endued with power from on high. No use preaching, no use going around uh, proclaiming the gospel without that power. And so... Uh, the Thessalonians here, as Paul preached the gospel, really what we have here, it becomes part of the word of God. But for us, the message is that from Genesis to Revelation, we receive it as the word of God. 
not the word of Paul. Some will say, well, that, that's, that's Paul. Oh, that's Peter. The word of God is the words in red that are written as the Lord Jesus. They're, they're the words of God. No. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable uh, for reproof, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God might be thoroughly uh, furnished unto all good works. It is the power of God unto salvation. Every word of God is pure. Thy words have I hid in mine heart that I might not sin against thee. You might say, well, that belongs to the original languages, doesn't it? Well, a faithful translation or translation of the word of God, our Lord quoted from translations. And if we're to have the word in our hearts, and if we're to sing with the heart and the understanding, it can't be in an unknown tongue. Paul was very clear of this, that if a man speak in an unknown tongue, then one must interpret. He said, I'd rather speak five words with the understanding than 10,000 in an unknown tongue. And so that which they received, they received it in their language, understanding it naturally, understanding it through Paul's mouth, but received it as the word of God. And may we receive the word of God. Every word of God is pure. Peter says, you have a more sure word of prophecy, more sure word than the great revelation on the Mount of Transfiguration, whereunto you do well to take heed as unto a light that shineth in a dark place. That is the word of God. That is what is written. Heaven and earth, says our Lord, shall pass away, but my words shall not pass away. God speaks his word. Peter, Paul, the apostles, preachers today, preach the word, instant in season and out of season. Those that hear that word, it hath pleased God through the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. There's a promise in Deuteronomy 33 that everyone shall receive of my words. We read in Acts 2, in the formation of the church, when Peter preaches, then they that gladly received the word were baptised. And the emphasis is on how the word was actually received. We read in the Old Testament and the solemn case of Jehoiakim, who had the word of God from Jeremiah brought to him, and he cut it and he burnt it in the fire. He would not receive that word. And yet we have the contrast the other way with Josiah who when they found the copy of the law in the temple they brought it to him, they read it to him and he rent his mantle. He says great wrath is upon us from the Lord. The law had been brought before him. He had been brought in guilty, humbled himself before God went to see the prophetess 
And she said, Speak to the man that told you this, that he shall have mercy, but there shall come wrath on the land because of their transgressions and their sins. What a contrast. One king cutting the word and burning it, the other humbling himself before God and then seeking to set the worship in the true order. It is vital that we receive the word. How we receive the word. You know, already in the first chapter, Paul had said this concerning his gospel. Verse 5, For our gospel came not unto you in word only, but also in power and in the Holy Ghost and in much assurance as ye know what manner of men we were among you for your sake. The word of God had been received by them. Our Lord gave specific directions to the disciples as he sent them forth to preach. And he said, if they do not receive you, then to shake off the dust from off your feet, and to go to another place. He that receiveth you, receiveth me, and he that receiveth me, receiveth him that sent me. And there's a link between those that preach and bring the word and the Father, where the word is faithfully set forth as the apostle desired to hear. It is a great mark and token of the grace of God to receive the word of God when it speaks reprovingly, when it speaks to show us our sin, when it warns us, when it admonishes us to fall under that word. Now very often we pray, and we try to pray today, we send out the Bibles from the chapel here. We have them taken from the boxes here. And we pray that men, women, might not only receive the Bible, but receive the words in it and receive it as the word of God. That they might not be offended at them, cast that word from them and reject that word and not want to hear it. We sung in our middle hymn, nor are men willing to have the truth told. The sight is too killing for pride to behold. And for today, for what man is being told by in many a pulpit, to be told that we're sinners and that our great works and our charity and our love one for another does not extend unto God, that it doesn't pay for our sins. That is hard for proud man to receive and to be humbled under. But where the Lord gives spiritual life, where he gives a hearing ear, remember the seven letters to the churches in Asia, every one of them finishes, he that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. A reception of the word well, not only does the Apostle here give thanks for its reception by the Thessalonians, 
but he also is giving thanks for its effect. And I want to notice that in our third point. In our text we read, but as it is in truth the word of God which effectually worketh also in you that believe. May we never limit the power of the word of God. How many of God's children can say, well, they found perhaps a scrap of the word of God hidden in a seat or blown away or just one word was used and God used that word. His promise is, my word shall not return unto me void. It shall accomplish the thing whereto I sent it. A word that effectually works. A word that is a powerful word. A hammer. A word that enters. A word that is like the seed. Our Lord spoke the parable in Matthew 13 of the sower. And I view it as a key parable. The Lord said, if ye know not this parable, how will ye know any parables? Because it is a parable concerning hearing, hearing the word of God. The seed is the word of God. And there was only one of those four hearers that brought forth fruit. Only one could it be said that that word effectually worked in them. The others, one it wasn't effectual because it fell on uh, the wayside and was taken immediately from them by Satan. Another was not effectual, it sprang up straight away first, but it was on stony ground, shallow, no depth of earth, and then because of persecution, then they were offended because of the word, because of the word. Remember, our Lord said in John 17, I have given them thy word, and the world hath hated them. The only thing you need for the world to hate you is to have the word of God and to receive that word. And that's in the Lord's high priestly prayer. And then we have that which fell on, stone, uh, on uh, ground where there was thorns that sprung up, the things of this world that choked the word, and it became unfruitful. But in that good ground, prepared ground, those that felt their sinnership, their need of the Saviour, those that were given a hearing ear, those that were ready to hear the word, it brought forth fruit in varying degrees. You know, here with the Thessalonians, he tells them specifically of the fruit that was brought forth here. Verse 14, For ye brethren became followers of the churches of God, which in Judea in Christ are in Christ Jesus, for ye also have suffered like things of your own countrymen, even as have the Jews. And he says also that they had become followers of us. If we go back to chapter 1, ye became followers of us and of the Lord, having received the word of God, the word in much affliction with joy of the Holy Ghost. And here is the vital importance. It is bringing churches and preachers 
And to remember as a church we can be an influence for good or influence for evil. As prophet, as priest. And you'll find that those that are following churches that are following after the world or false gospel, they will be like them. But Paul says here, those here that are following, they are like the churches, the true churches, and they are like the apostle. The apostle says, Be ye followers of me, as also I am of Christ Jesus. And it is vital that the message be given by those who, as long as, as well with the message, are saying, You follow me. You follow my example. What an incentive for us to be so prayerful and careful that we walk uprightly and not be a snare. How many times you see someone doing something that is not according to the gospel, not according to the word, and you speak to them and say, oh yeah, but so-and-so does that, and he's a minister, and he's a gospel. And, and you think, what damage is done by those who stand for the truth and yet don't walk according to it. And so here, the apostle is making it very clear the effect really has a direct link to the one that is bringing the word and how much through the word the effect is spoken of. Our Lord spoke of it in John 10. My sheep, they hear my voice, they follow me. The effect was to follow the same as here. In James we read that we are to be doers of the word and not hearers only. Our Lord told the parable of the one that built his house upon the rock and on the sand. And what was that parable speaking? The difference between one that he heard the word and did not was like built upon the sand and the one that heard and did was like the one built upon the rock. And this is what the apostle is saying here. The fruit and effect. It had an effect. The gospel changed their lives, moved them, was used to sanctify them, the washing of water by the word. How vital it is. Brought to repentance. You think of Jonah. Pretty poor preacher he was. In the end he wanted the blessing taken away. The Lord wouldn't. The Lord had given them repentance. And Jonah knew if the Lord sent a preacher, he'd give them repentance too. It's a great blessing to have the word sent and the preacher come. But may we be of those that the word does have an effect. Maybe we can look back this morning to when it did. Bless the Lord when he did make us willing to receive the word. Maybe we can remember a time that we wouldn't receive the word, rejected the word, but then our hearts softened and to receive it and the effect that that has had. Then may we have that effect day by day. We need constantly to be exhorted, to be pointed into the right way and kept in the right way and have our Lord set before us to have that effect to draw us from this earth and to draw us to heaven and to run the race that is set before us looking unto Jesus. Well, may we know what it is 
to hear the word of God, to receive it, and to have an effect upon our lives, upon our hearts. And it be to the Lord's honour and glory. This people have I formed for myself. They shall show forth my praise. Amen.